Hi, my name is Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week, we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. This is week 45, a Bible study week, where we examine Scripture and its application to our lives. This week, we finally get around to a topic that I wanted to cover a while back. We've bounced around a few other ideas recently, and now we've made it here. A few weeks ago, a beloved family member and I went to watch The Blind, a movie about the life of Duck Dynasty icon Phil Robertson. As my family member and I discussed the movie afterwards, she mentioned that during a podcast episode, Phil had said that he died when he was baptized, and when he came up from the waters, he was made new. So this conversation got me thinking, what does it mean to be dead in sin? You know, it's something that we talk about a lot. We talk about how we are dead, but we have been crucified with Christ, so now we've been born again. We read about it in the Bible, but still, what does it mean to be dead in sin? And what does it mean for our lives? Are we just walking around like we are part of the walking dead until Jesus comes to save us? Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, Let's dive into prayer first, though. So, let us pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. You've blessed us in ways that we can't even comprehend, Lord. We just lift this prayer to you, this podcast episode up to you, for you to use in the way that you want it to be used, Lord God. We ask that it will glorify you, and I pray that it will touch the hearts of those listening wherever they are, Lord, and I just pray that you'll be with us, Lord, and you will open our eyes to the the ways that we are living that are not right, the ways that you tell us we should not be living, Lord God, and I just pray that No matter what we do in life, we will bring honor and glory and praise to you, Father. Wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, Lord, please be with us. And let us trust in you far greater now than we ever have before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, when we dive into this topic, there's a lot that we can look at and examine. Since I've been reading the book of Romans lately, I immediately think about how the Apostle Paul highlights this topic so much within the pages of this book. I'd love for us to dive into the whole book. Yet for the sake of this episode, I believe that we'll be spending the majority of our time in three particular chapters so we can really dive into this topic and pull out what we need to understand. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 6 through chapter 8. Now I know that'll be a lot for us to read, but again, I think it's really important that we read all of it. Of course, we won't be able to get through every intricate detail here, but that's okay. These verses paint an excellent picture of what it means to be dead in sin and alive in God. So that's why we'll be reading them. We will be reading, as usual, from the ESV or English Standard Version. So again, Romans chapter 6 through Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. 
death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present your, yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you, whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, are, you who were once slaves of sin have been obedient from the heart the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the things of those... For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 7 Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is freed from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has raised who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What, shall, what then shall we say? That law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy. And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin, producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond nature. Measure, rather. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not, not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. 
So no, now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but the ability, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the, the law of sin. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For it, in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we were being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I hope that reading all this wasn't too much, but I really do believe that it was essential that we read these verses to understand what it means to be dead in sin. Let's start with chapter 6 though, and see what we can pull from there. Let's look at chapter 6 verse 2 specifically. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We see here that right off the bat, Paul begins to talk about this point of being dead to sin. Now, if we have died to sin at one point, then I, I think it, by understanding the inversion that Paul is discussing here, then if we are now dead to sin in Christ, then it just logically makes sense that at one point we were dead in sin to Christ. Makes sense? The Apostle Paul is saying that believers who are in Christ are now truly united to Christ in both his death and resurrection. And therefore, we are now free from the dominion of sin. Sin is described from here to chapter 8 as a harsh slave master who demands control and should be resisted at every turn. And we move further into chapter 6 as we begin to see this point fleshed out some more. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 of chapter 6 again. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Ah, so now we get to the point that I believe Phil Robertson was making when I first referenced his comments at the beginning of the episode. Our physical body is seen as the round sphere, sphere, body, or whatever you want to call it, that sin had dominion over. Paul talks about this body of death in chapter 7. Of course, we do not end our physical bodies or can transform our bodies into superhuman-like bodies after we are officially believers. That's just silliness. Yet now our bodies are offerings dedicated to and set apart for God. We will one day have a resurrection body, but that is a subject for another day. Yet, here we are still in chapter 6, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Baptism, then, is the sign and seal of being brought into the family of Christ. Therefore, baptism signifies that the Christian who was once a sinner and a child in rebellion against the divine creator, but through baptism, 
We are dying to that old self as we go down into the water. As we come up from the water, it signifies the raising of new life and a regenerated heart, forgiveness of sins, and adoptions as sons and daughters of God. Our new identities in Christ will change us, and we will have a desire for righteousness. If you just recently became a believer in Christ, then you won't know everything there is to know yet. That's okay. That's just the way things work. But I think Paul tells us here in the remainder of chapter 6 that before we were Christians, we used our bodies for all sorts of sinful purposes. However, we are now believers. Our whole lives have to be completely different. We have to start living for Christ by presenting our entire bodies to Christ. That means we put away all sorts of sinful behaviors that we have because this is what God has called us to do. If we want to be strong Christians who are sanctified in Christ, then we need to be governing our bodies with strict discipline. One last verse that I want us to look at before we jump over to chapter 7 and begin to break it down for the sake of our discussion today is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This whole time, Paul has been speaking in terms that we would understand. Slavery, freedom, wages, and everything like that. He's speaking in these terms to help us understand, but truthfully, it's a lot more deeper and meaningful than that. We just can't comprehend it no matter how hard we try. It's no different here in verse 23. Now wages. That's something that we all understand. We have to work and make money. You may work a part-time or full-time job. Either way, at a core level, you know that you are paid to do a job. You do the job, you get the money. That simple. Now we can argue about how much people should get paid for what and based on skill or whatever, but that's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk about a different kind of wages. You see, Paul is telling us that those who live in sin are paid by sin for the work that they do. And how is it that they get paid? Death. They die. Meanwhile, in contrast, those who trust in God are graciously given a gift that they could never earn, which is eternal life. Sin's payment is death. While trusting in God, you're giving something that you could never earn or work for. Eternal life and forgiveness. Justification before the author and judge of all life in the universe. Now let's begin our dive into chapter 7. We begin here with verses 5 and 6. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And so we come back to this topic again, dead in sin. We can see from these verses that while we were sinners, we were living in the flesh and working to bring about nothing but death for ourselves. Now, thanks to Christ, we have been released from the bondage of sin. All of this makes me think of an analogy by old friend C.S. Lewis. Lewis, in Mere Christianity, wrote, quote, Enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. End quote. In his analogy, Lewis illustrates the same point that I believe Paul is trying to make here. Christ has come in, freed us from the death that awaited us because of our sin, and now calls us to work in a campaign of sabotage by working to save others by leading them in the faith as well as guarding ourselves against falling back into enemy hands. We now serve the way of the Spirit, and now 
and not the slave evil excuse me evil slave master of sin i apologize for that i got a little tongue tied there nonetheless we're we've covered what it means to be dead in sin now it means that we have nothing to do with god because we want to live in the fleshy lustful passions that occupy our thoughts and bodies it means that when we are in sin we are working towards dying spiritually and permanently it means that we obey the sin that controls us we can't resist it because it is our master and in a way we like that we don't want it any other way so then what does it mean to be alive in god for that let's begin our dive into romans chapter 8 specifically verses 10 and 11 but if christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin the spirit is life because of righteousness if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Right here it is. There is life in the spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ. The apostle writes here in these verses that the life given to Christ after his death and crucifixion is the same spirit that gives us new life. It changes our desires, our minds, our hearts. We are no longer slaves to sin, but sons and daughters adopted to God. We are justified and free from condemnation, whether that be self-condemnation or condemnation from sin. We now get to call out to God because we want and crave and desire His presence. We call out to Him, Abba, Father, which is this intimate word that is like a child crying out for their father. We can do that now as believers. Will we fall into sin? Yes, of course. It's like Paul wrote in chapter 7, like we discussed earlier, this body is a body of death. We will not be free of sin this side of heaven. But when a true believer sins, they may like it for a moment, but after they do, they will recognize that it was wrong and they will want to repent. They will want to turn away because they want their every thought, action, and deed to be honoring and pleasing to God. Are you sinning and not feeling any remorse or wrong? Are you falling into sin again and again and it started to not affect you anymore even though you've called yourself a believer? If so... Please stop and take a moment to think about your relationship with God, because I would say that you have some serious things to reevaluate. God has justified us. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer, whom I just learned Angel Studios is making a movie about, once said, quote, God's justification of sinners, declaring us righteous because of and through and in Christ is God's final word, end quote. Well, what better word to end on than that God has raised us to life and we should be living in this newfound life and no longer remain dead in sin. Jesus calls us out of sin and into the newness of life. My dear brothers and sisters, until the next time we meet again, I will be praying for God to enrich your sanctification and draw you even closer to Him as I ask you to pray the same for me. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless. <laughs>